Right, welcome back to my podcast, The Steve and Sully Study. I've got my next guest in front of me, Josh Myers. Thank Scanner. you very much, sir, for coming on. Pleasure. It's a Sunday. I rarely do a podcast on a Sunday, but when I had the opportunity of getting you onto this podcast, yeah. I thought, you know what? Definitely got to come up for this one on a Sunday. Appreciate so it. Thank you very much for your time, mate. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me, bro. So, um, as a when I was younger, I think the two, kind, of, kind of two areas that most young men looked up to were yeah. either becoming a professional athlete, but predominantly yeah. um, football. Yeah, of course. Or, I, want, I want to be a footballer. Or becoming an actor. And yeah. you're obviously in the acting world. So, yes, I, I mean, I mean, look, I, I know it's not all um, plain sailing. It's not all, always a walk in the park, but I mean, it must be amazing being, being an actor and connecting to some of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, uh, being an actor is, is very fun, I've got to say. Like, but like you said, it's not as glamorous as people make out. Like, you know... Um, don't get me wrong, I love my job. I love working on film sets. I love working with amazing, amazing, talented actors and actresses. Um, but yeah, you know, you got you got people. People think, oh, this is such an easy life. You get paid loads of money. You do. You go on sets. You get treated like royalty. But it, the truth of it is, you, you do and you don't. Like you got to remember. So most film sets that I've done, you're up at four in the morning. You're in your car by five. You're getting to set. You know, you're on, in makeup by seven. It's um, and you've got twelve hours of filming. You know, and hot, you know, fight scenes, long dialogue scenes. You know, and people watching this might, might be thinking, "Oh, he's a diva," but I'm definitely not one of them. But it does take it out of you. You know, you're getting up every day at four, three, four in the morning to go on set, be on set in a makeup chair for seven, on set for nine o'clock in the morning, and bang, you are filming, hardcore filming. But I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I can't complain about my life. Um, I love acting. I love meeting other actors, and yeah, I love it, mate. It's the best thing. The um, I mean, I I don't know, but is can you learn acting, or is it something you're kind of born with? Because they say with like singers, dancers, you kind of have to be slightly maybe born in with that skill, slightly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have the same conversation with boxers because as you right. know, I, you know, a boxer got a yeah. fight coming up in March, yeah. and I've had. Harlem Eubank uh, on my podcast, Mick Condon, who's now about to a fight for a world title, Amazing. Bradley Ski, uh, O'Hara yeah. Davis, Ted Cheeseman, a yeah. load, load of them. And we always have the same conversation of, can someone learn the craft of fighting or yeah. do you have to be a fighter inside? And I've yeah. had mixed, mixed sort of mm. answers to that. So acting, is it something that yeah. you kind of can learn or is it something that um, you That's a very good question, I have to say. Very good question. I think you're not necessarily, I mean, look, I, I wasn't born with like the skills of acting. I wouldn't say, I, I still would say to this day, I'm still learning my craft. You can never stop learning. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, like some people are born with it, but some people aren't. You know, like I, just for example, like I might get DMs or messages or people I meet out in the, sh just anyway, might say I want a photo or signature, blah, blah, blah. And they'll say to me, oh, I, you know, I want to be an actor and... You know, the first thing I'd say pretty much is how old are you? What's your age? You know, because I think starting young is a, is a big thing because I'm 35 now. I started acting when I was about 12, 13 through my family or in the film industry, which we'll get to. Um, and it's something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be an actor. I saw it on, I went to loads of film sets when I was younger and I was like, I want this life. But at that point, by the time I was, you know, there's a lot of kid actors who are like four, five, six years old who are acting already. I was 12 or 13 when I went to Sylvia Young Drama School up in London. Um, and I just, I could express myself. I knew this is what I wanted to do. 
Um, but are you born with it? It's that's a hard question because you some people can be, but also the people that who are watching this who maybe not born with the ability to act and don't really know how to do improvisation, script works in front of a camera, you know, what a type close-up means or whatever, you can learn and you can adapt, go to drama school, um, you know, all these drama classes that are out there online. If you want to be an actor, just go and do it. There's um, a quote, a soundbite, and I yeah. don't know how accurate it is, but it sticks in the back of my mind all the time and it was yeah. from Tom Cruise and I think it was after where he played Jeremy Maguire. Right, yeah. And in that film, I haven't actually watched it, but I've seen snippets, and I think he's raising. He's basically a salesperson raising money. Right. And yeah. when he was asked off, 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 um, you know, uh, off set, they said, yeah. uh, you know, what makes a good actor? He said, if you want to find a good actor, find yourself a great salesperson. Yeah. And when I thought about that, I thought, you know what? There is a lot of synergy and links between a good salesperson to a good actor. Yeah. You both need to learn a kind of script. Yeah. You kind of need to step into that character you yep. need to be the most confident version of yourself yes you need to communicate and you need to deliver and mm. when i when i heard that i thought you know what that makes complete sense would you agree with that yes i would agree with that massively so um yeah i mean there's not not much to elaborate on that but yeah i would totally agree on that 100 percent. yeah so um I, I listened to your uh podcast with uh marvin herbert the, yep. the, this morning just to get a bit, bit more sure. sort of yeah. background I've got, to say, I've got to say, before we go on to that, I want to have a big shout out to one of my guests, uh, Jack Fincham, who yep. I've got a lot of time for. And a lot of love he, for Jack. He connected me and you together, so yep. thank you very much, for uh, Jack, for that. Cheers, Jack. So anyway, Jack's told me a lot about yourself as, as an individual off, off of camera, and obviously I've known you on camera, watching you in certain films, uh, and then I wanted to see a bit more about you, you know, your sure. characteristics and, yeah, you yeah. know... You know, just just basically who you are as an individual. So yeah. I listened to that podcast this morning, and from North London, and mm. I think a lot of young men, certainly in our era, I'm yeah. a year older than you, yep. 1985, you're 1986. Yep. There was a lot of things that I could relate to because right. back when I was younger, I'm not from a poor household or anything like that, yeah. but I feel I feel like before the age of social media, podcast, YouTube, it was kind of quite easy to. If you weren't going to go down a conventional route, go down a bad route, which yeah. is could be you know selling drugs, or it could be getting in gangs, or it could be yeah. doing a kind of whole gangster sort of lifestyle. And I wouldn't say I ever went down that, down that path, but there was times in my life where I was hanging around with a group that notoriously kept nicking motorbikes from from people's gardens or right. nicking people's cars, and I didn't really have the bottle to do it, but I was all I was I was in the presence of them, so I'm actually part of the crime almost. Right and. It, it, it wasn't until I found sales when I was 19, 20 years of age where I found the path and it led yeah. me on to doing my own business, now into podcasts, etc. Yeah, amazing. I know you touched on with Marvin about, you know, back back, it, back in the day you used to do tagging, graffiti, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then also, you know, yep. maybe going down that kind of maybe that wrong path. So how did you pivot and, and try and sort of get yourself out of that? So... Yeah, I mean, I used to hang around as, you know, like you said, many when you're growing up, you, you sometimes go into like, the wrong crowd of people, don't you? Um, so I, I'd honestly say probably, I know I, maybe it's sad to say, but pro it was probably my mum and dad that saved my life. Because, you know, I, I didn't really have a, you know, thank God, I didn't really have a poor upbringing like yourself. You know, I was, it was, I had not really nice upbringing. But I just went down the wrong path. You know, I was smoking a lot of drugs, doing a lot of drugs, 
um, graffitiing. I used to sneak out of my room at three, four in the morning when I had school the next day, walk down the train tracks, graffiti, getting arrested, like all these different things. And I put my mum and dad through hell. Like I really did, you know, getting arrested all the time. I'm talking like when I was like 15, 16 in your prime of being a little shit, really. Um, and I just had an ultimatum. It's like, right, you either get out of this house, we kind of stop paying your pocket money, we stop doing whatever. Um, but this this took a long time for them to really sit me down and kind of say, look, this is the this is like what's going to happen now. Like we'd never chuck you out on the street, but we don't want phone calls at three in the morning saying you've been arrested and you're in Holborn Police Station at 16 years old. Um, you know, getting caught up with nicking cars, graffitiing, um, never robbed anyone, never done anything like that. It was more like just stupid stuff like graffitiing on trains and walls and, um, you know, running away from British Transport Police. Um, it's just stupid things, really. You know, and obviously, because I used to hang around with a lot of older people when I was younger, they'd steal cars to get from A to B, like graffitiing, like go from like where I live to like Camden, for example, it was like a 20-minute uh, drive, uh, whatever. So, they'd, you know, they'd nick a car and I'd be in it. And we're involved in police chases and stuff. And thank God I always got I got away with it a few times. Very close calls. But I would say my hit, like, who saved my life and stopped me getting into crime. Because like when I said on the Marvin Herbert podcast, like, I don't know. Like my mum and dad put bars on my windows. I don't know if you heard that. But they, did, put, yeah. they, they put bars on my windows to stop me going out. So the only way I could get out of the house was going downstairs, turning the alarm off, unlocking the door, going out, which makes fucking load of noise. So they were just like, look, you've got no chance now. If you want to sneak out, they put bars on all the windows. So that stopped me going out. As much as I hated my parents for it, oh, you're out of order, why have you done that? You stopped me having my fun. And you look back now, they saved my life. Because um, I, I heard that story that you said on his podcast that yeah. you got, they got called about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Your dad assumed that you were still in bed. Yeah. They said, look, we've got your son here, Josh. And he's yeah. like, no, it's impossible. He said, no, we have. Yeah. And then you was I remember about, that like it was yesterday. He was like an hour and a half away from home. Yeah, um, I was in and, White City. And I've got a similar story. For some reason, when I was turning about 13, 14, 15, between me and my mates, so I yeah. used to go to a, a school called Langley, right. which is in Kent, and there was another school um, not too far away in Bromley called uh, Ravenswood, right. and I used to be friends with a lot of them now. Yeah. There was a guy there called Elliot, um, and my brother used to be good mates with his younger brother, so it was like quite a little little tight network of, of friendship, uh, yeah. friends that used to have. But we used to lie to our parents, say, I'm staying around his tonight, and he's staying around mine. Yeah, typical. I and what, what we used to do is literally meet up overnight, pretending we're standing around each other's houses, and for some reason, just walk the streets. Yeah. We'd go from Bromley to Alpington to different parts of... Not in know, graffiti, just walking. Just walking about, and like, um, just cause them a bit of mayhem, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing a little bit of tagging, but yeah. it was more like nicking something or yeah. just walking about and this is when weed started coming into the equation like a right. little bit of weed here and now I didn't really smoke it too much I used to try and do it but I always yeah. used to cough it up right. and then I remember one time we got nicked outside Ravensbourne School yeah. by just a, a meat wagon coming past he said how, how old are you you lot he yeah. said uh, they, they picked us up and they called our, our mum and dad and they took, <laughs> you, took me to my dad terrible. and then my dad was like what you doing? What you do? What is the point yeah. to what you're doing? And now looking back, it's the most stupid thing I've ever done. But we were kids. What did we yeah. know? Like I thought, you know, I thought going out and you know graffitiing was cool. But I look, you know, I look back now and I just think, what the fuck was I doing? Waking up at two, three in the morning, going out on my like on my own to meet someone who I, who was my mate. I'd meet them at a certain point. But at that one point, I remember I, I never thought the dangers. 
Like I was a 15, 16 year old kid, you know, wait till my parents go to sleep, two, three in the morning, I'm opening my window, climbing down the drain pipe or wherever, how I used to get out. And then my mates would be like, right, we'll meet you here. So I wasn't like meeting me outside my house and we go. It was like I'm on my own at three in the morning and walking down the road for ten minutes, meeting, yeah. meeting three or four people, like people my age, my mates, going, right, yeah, sweet, you're here, well done. Smoking weed, walking down the train tracks. We could have been hit by fucking trains. Yeah. What do we know? I was stunned up my head. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But like I said, going back to, you know, what why why did I stop and whatever, it's it's got to be because of my parents. Because hmm. they, they love me so much and obviously I love them. They put bars, they were like, I come home from school one day and they put bars on my windows. Like, the only, only way I didn't have bars was the little window, which I couldn't even fit my arm through. And I was like, what's going on here? I said, well, you're never getting out of the house again, are you? Unless we know. And like they said, the only time I could go out is when they go to bed, the alarm's on, the door's shut, everything's like, and the dog at the time. So if I went downstairs, it'd be barking, alarm going off, front door clacking, they'd be like, what's not happening? Yeah. So I never went out. I remember about a year and a half, I caused them so much distress and alarm from going out, saying I won't do it again, won't do it again to then doing it again, getting calls from the police. So then one day just stopped. I had to. So um, on the on the note of graffiti, since yeah. we're here at Woodbury House, and I just yeah. gave you a bit of a rendition with the artist that we put my guy called Richard Hamilton, he's known as a godfather of street art. Yeah. But when I was younger, you know, and, and yourself, you know, doing the tagging is slightly different to how he started his yeah, movement. Yeah, 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 of course. But I've interviewed a lot of people in his ecosystem who were taggers and now they've gone into more like com uh, commercial contemporary art and it's an art form which they sell their, their works in galleries. Yeah. And talking about, you know, on the trains, there's a guy called Coke 2, uh, LA2, Crash Days. Yeah. Uh, all these people from New York, they're like the OGs of the graffiti um, street art scene. Right. They're still alive today. And plenty of them. There's a guy called Risk actually that told me the amount of times that friends uh, used to fall off bridges and, and wow. die, hit by a train, or rival gangs. You know, there was one time he was doing some work and a rival gang member started on him and as he ran off, they shot him in the back of his leg. Wow. I know America's slightly different to the UK, but Definitely. that kind of environment is, is, is quite edgy and you can get yourself in, in bang in trouble. And yeah, yeah. I could never, now looking back, I, I used to think to myself, what was the point of me tagging because I was never wanting or was never good yeah. to become an artist? Yeah, I was never good enough. What am I doing? What, was, was, did you ever have that, that mindset of, I want to become an artist or is it just to do something? Never, just to do. I never thought I was going to be an artist. I never thought... Oh yeah, sweet. I'm I'm gonna be a big artist one day. Everyone's gonna look at my work. Oh, fuck that. I just thought going out. I'm gonna cause some cause some bloody um, chaos on the streets and cause some criminal damage. Yeah. But it was starting to fill your time. It was just at the time. I just remember it was fun then. But now I just look back and think like you're a fucking idiot. What were you doing? Like and then the next day I'd have school. Like, so I'd, you know, like, you know, leave my, let's say, like, wait for everyone to go. Mum and dad were always late going to bed. Let's say two in the morning, I'm opening the window, climbing down, trying to get out. The time I got home was five, six in the morning. I've got to be up at school for seven, half seven. I've got like, an, like two hours, an hour of sleep, if that, falling asleep in class, smoking weed in the shed with my other boys who I went creating with the night before. Like, I was just a, I was just a little shit. I was really, really bad. But like when my mum and dad just said, look, you know, like you got an ultimatum, right? You either leave the house, go live on the street, or you stay with us, but we put bars in the window and you stop doing what you're doing. And I did. What was that like when you used to look out your window and see literally bars on the window? How did that make you it, feel? It was weird. It was very weird because it was just like, 
It weren't, well, it was weird. I felt, I felt safe because I can open my window. I know no one's going to come in. I ain't going to go out because it was literally bars, like proper like bars and window. Like there's no way you're getting in or out. So in a, in a weird way, I felt safe. Yeah. I felt safe of having the bars on the window and it stopped me causing mayhem. And do you know like the little things that you and I used to do when we were younger? Um, yeah. I always look back and think, I'm slightly embarrassed with some of the stuff I've done, but at the same time, it shaped, it shaped me to who I am today. Yeah, 100%. Do you ever look back and think, I should, shouldn't have done that or, no, fuck it, like, that's who I am. This is who I've become. What, there, what I've done back in, in the past is yeah. who I am today. There are certain things, I won't say on here, but there are, are certain things I've, I've, I've done, I've seen that I regret. But that's just being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong crowd. Do you know what I mean? So, can you regret anything you've done in life? What's the point? You can't go back and change it. What's happened's happened. The past is the past. You know, I always think, you know, do not, you know, like it's like my tattoo, it says, don't dwell on the past. Do not dream of the future. Concentrate on your mind the present moment. Why should I now think, oh God, what I did 20 years ago, I shouldn't have done that. Because it would just eat away at me and, you know, with what I suffer with, my mental health and depression, which we'll get onto as well. I might as well just move on from it. Everyone fucks up. Yeah, there's, there's no one in this planet. I, I could go out on the street now on Soho and I could pick someone out, anybody who looks innocent and everyone and say, have you ever fucked up in your life? I guarantee you I could go down that whole street, which is a busy high street, and one person would go, no. They'll say, yeah, I have. Yeah. Of course they will. Yeah. But what's the point? You can't look back. You can't change time. Just focus on the present, focus on the future and just live your life. You've been in some great films. Um, Thank you. As, as, I, as I mentioned off air, a uh, friend of mine, a friend of yours, Terry Stone's been on my podcast. Yeah, good friend of mine, Terry. Uh, the most, probably one of the most recent films I've seen of his back in the last year was um, Once Upon a Time in London, which is a bit yeah, of yeah. A, a conversation, sorry, a film, which is a rebuttal to Peaky Blinders a little bit. A little it's, bit, yeah. It's a, it's a bit like 1940s, 50s slash 60s about uh, a guy called Jack Spot, who Terry plays. Uh, and um, uh, my character is a Jewish gangster, Moisha Bluebell. Um, was Alfie Best Jr. in that film? He was, yeah. Yeah, he's he, been on my podcast. Yeah, I like Alfie's a good pal of mine. I'm very good friends with Alfie. I like him and his dad. They're very good. Yeah. I'm very close to them. They're both been in my podcast. They? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're both absolutely wicked people. I love them a lot. Um, so shout out to the best. Um, and what else was going to say? Yeah, so that was about Jack Spot. That, and I remember reading a book years ago about, I think it's called A Man a Man with a Thousand Cuts or something like that. Okay. And it's hit him hard, Jack Spot, because he was a Jewish gangster. Okay. And he was partners with Billy Hill, who Leo Gregory played. Big up, Leo. Um, <coughs> and um, yeah, I played his. I played Jack Spot's right-hand man in the film, okay. Mosh Blue Ball. And they were all like Jewish gangsters, weren't they, back in the day? And yeah, I think, cut a long story short, um, Jack Spot and Billy Hill were partners way before the craze come about. I think they were kids when this happened, this was about. And um, yeah, Billy Hill and Jack Spot didn't sort um, differences, had a bit of a scrap. I think Jack Spot got cut in the face and it was mad with all mad Frankie Frazier, all that kind of time. And then Billy Hill took over and that was kind of it really. But yeah. So you've been, been there and I really enjoyed that film. There's also um, Green Street Green 3. Yeah, Green and, Street Hooligans, I think it was called. And and um, I think my favourite film... Yeah. Um, like on, on a personal start sure. not not just because you're in it but personally for me if I would say pick like five to ten films like your very yeah. very best ones that you can repeat over and over and over yeah. is Legend, uh, Legend right, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, which is the uh, Craze Brothers right with yeah. Tom Hardy in it good film uh, you was in that as well wasn't you so I was in that but basically um, what happened was they cut my scene away 
which was a really annoying. It hit the editing floor. But yeah, no, I was I, I did work with Tamadi. Okay. But um, yeah, no, they cut my scene, which is a bit annoying. But what can you do? Well, I was going to ask you like happens. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's all about acting because that happens in films. Like you could get a part in a film and you go to the cinema watching like I'm not in it. Like oh, you didn't make the you know. But um, you can't be worried that like you'd, you're embarrassed that you didn't make the cut. But then they you've done the audition, they liked you, they wanted you as an actor, but you didn't. You made whatever. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, it, it might have not. I still got to work with Tom Hardy. Fucking hell, he's one of the biggest yeah. actors in the world. Well, this is what I was going to get onto. Like Tom Hardy is obviously played uh, some great characters in different films. And yeah. He's worked with the elite. I mean, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio a oh, bunch of times. Special and, man. And I think I think he's he's up there with probably some of the best actors in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. He's quite diverse in how yeah. he plays. Oh, Tom stuff. Hardy is unbelievable. Incredible. I, he was a rock and roller and loads of, loads yeah, of other yeah. stuff. What What's it like to work with someone like a Tom Hardy or some of of that ilk? Um, scary, definitely scary. But he was actually the nicest geezer, nicest guy I ever met. I remember being on set with him. I was only I only had two days on Legend, regardless of they didn't put my fucking scene in. But um, but yeah, no, it was just great to have dialogue with him, have a scrap, and do all the fight scenes with him. I mean, I, even just little things, you know, like you, you see a huge actor like him, and like you know, I remember just one 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 point we was doing we was about to do our scene. We'd been talking in the makeup trailer and whatever. And uh, I thought it was the first time I met him. And I remember just, he, he was sitting down on set and he had a chair next to him. I was just standing up minding my own business. He was like, oh, mate, come sit down if you want. I just sat down next to him. We was talking about half an hour before we started filming. And I was just like, just normal conversation, normal banter about life. Who I know in the film industry, who he knows and blah. I just thought, what a nice fucking kid. At the end of the day, even though he's a top actor, one of the best at the moment, he's just a normal guy. And that's what you've got to take away from everything. You know, we're all just normal people, but we're just... Well, he is a fucking talented man. And, and bar Tom Hardy, yeah. who would you say has been up there with the very, very best people in the film industry that you've worked with? Um, I've worked with Orlando Bloom. Okay. He was pretty special. I did a film called Romans a uh, long time ago. Uh, probably, I don't know, probably about four or five years ago. The Shamazian Brothers, big up the Shamazian Brothers, they directed it and wrote it. A film called Romans. Um, and yeah, I, I, I went on set. I had like... Three, four days on that. I think, I can't remember the time. I think it was before Tom Hardy or maybe it was after. I don't know. But I got to work with Orlando Bloom. And he's, I mean, he's a fucking legend. Uh, you know, all the Lord of Rings and all the Hobbits. He's, done. he's a fantastic actor. He's well known all around the world, you know, with Katy Perry now. So yeah. fair play to the geezer. But yeah, no, he, he was definitely, but he's a good actor. He's yeah. actually generally a very good actor and a nice guy as well. It's mad. You meet like people like Tom Hardy, Orlando Bloom, and you think, oh, fucking hell, like, I've got to be wary. I'm just like, oh, nice to meet you, however. But... They're just normal people, man. They're just fucking at the top of their game. Yeah. Is there anyone you would like to work with in the future? Um, would I like to work with in the future? Oh, I, I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio because it's just Leo. But for acting-wise, me personally, I'd say Daniel Day-Lewis. And I think he's kind of retired, but for me, he's probably one of the best actors I've ever really? seen. Yeah. Without question. Daniel Day-Lewis is one of the best actors in the world. Yeah. 100%. So, um, obviously, working on all these great films and all these yeah. great people, it's, as we said at the start, it's not always uh, a smooth transition into, into that kind of top tier of, of films. Yeah. Um, you've got to have to, you're going to have to like do all the hard graft at the start and, and yeah. things you kind of don't really want to do in, in the film sector, I would imagine, just like anything that you do. Yeah, of course. Um, talk to me about that transition then. So, obviously, going back to when you was, you had bars up in your mum and dad's yeah. house <laughs> yeah. and you were trying to make that transition into full-time professional acting, 
what kind of work did you have to do in order to get noticed and to be appreciated and yeah. then given a chance into mainstream? I would say um, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of graft, um, as in like going to, you know, drama classes every day, every other weekend. Uh, a massive thing for me was networking. Like that is that is so fucking huge, networking meeting producers, meeting directors, meeting casting directors, people that are going to give you a job. Just not like licking ass, but just being a nice guy. Don't go, don't you know, don't have to go and meet a director and be like give me a give me a role, give me a role. um getting a good show reel, that is fucking hard because I play a prime example like one of my mates I, I won't mention but for some said like he's like 28 29, he's a lot younger than me. He said I want to do acting now. He's a very good actor actually. But he needs a show reel, which is basically, you know, shows all your work to agents. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, so getting the show reel together is very hard because you've got to have body of work. You've got to have film jobs. Okay. Take the stuff that you've done and put it on your show reel on the DVD to give or online or whatever to give to, you know, your agent or people who might take you on. But just getting a show reel together is so fucking hard. Because you've got to have body of work behind you. But, but how do you get this body of work behind you if you ain't got a show reel? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I'm like I, the Catch 22. Like, if I go, oh, yeah, he's, oh, he could be great in that film. Let's see a show reel. Oh, I haven't got one yet. Well, fuck off then. Let's go to that guy who's got a show reel and it's brilliant. But I'm brilliant. Well, I don't know you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's mm. very hard. But I remember starting out, because I was very lucky, people that I knew in the industry and from my family that are in the film industry, I got interviewed to people. I auditioned in front of them and they were like, well, if I can see what you're doing in front of me, I don't need to see what you'll be on your show reel. I didn't have a show reel when I was like 14, 15. My first film role was, I think I was 17 or eight. Might have been, yeah, I might have been 17, 18 years old on a, a film that my friend Reg Travis uh, wrote and directed called Psychosis, a horror film. I was like 17, 18 years old. I didn't have a show reel. Pardon me. I didn't know what I was doing. But I, I was drama school drama classes I knew I wanted to be an actor and that's basically what I did so it's, it's very hard well, it's not, I'm not I don't want to you know promote this as in like oh it's easy anyone can be an actor you got if you want to do it you got to put the fucking work in you got to graft network meet people get be a go-getter well I, I've, I've interviewed almost almost 200 people now on my podcast yeah. over the last three and a half years and Everyone I've interviewed, from footballers to boxers to actors to people in music, people in art, it always comes down to the same thing. It's mindset, it's belief, hard work ethic. Yeah. And even when you get rejection, you've got to step past that and continue pursuing your dream or, or your passion. 100%. There must have been a few times where you had big knockbacks and you thought, is this really for me? No, fuck it, I need to push on. 100%, mate. I've had, I've had many setbacks, you know, like... You know, I won't mention the films or the TV series, but, you know, prime example, you know, last year got an audition for a massive TV series, which is out now, uh, huge, um, for a big, like, a fucking big role. Got down to the last two. That's it, it's between you and another guy. We're going to, so they give you a callback. So you don't do the audition. They call you back and say, we love you. Do I know the actor? You, you probably would now, but I can't. I don't want to. I don't no want to. I don't want to say it. Yeah, yeah. No but um, but yeah. And then I was just like, it's between me and him. They're probably gonna go for him because he's done more. But I'm new. Blah blah blah. Anyway, they went with him. Um, whatever it is what it is. But I was gutted. 
you know, it would have been like a year's filming, made my career massive, could have made me even bigger than I, you know, could want, because well, I'm not at the stage where I want to be yet. I've still got a long way to go, and I know that. I'm still young, I'm only 35. But, um, and then, you know, there's, there's other things. Yeah, there's loads of things I've been let down by, but it's, it's the not giving up. You shouldn't give up. Just because you've got a setback. I've been doing it since I was 12, 13 years old. My first film was 17, 18. I'm now 35. I've done like 22, 23 films, maybe 24, whatever. Let's say 25, whatever. But um, you just don't give up. You're going to get setbacks in anything you do, in any walks of life. But going to an audition, and the worst thing for me was preparing for a film role or a TV series. Like you get the dialogue and you absolutely fucking nail it. And you walk out of the audition room and go, I've got that. I'm going to fucking get that. And you're so hyped up and like, I've got that. And you get a call, no, you didn't get it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, depressed. It's do fucking you, horrible. Do you get it the other way around, though? Where you've done an audition, it's not been your best audition. And you get it. And then suddenly they call you and say, I love yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I've had that. I've had that a few times. Well, I remember I auditioned. I didn't do the film in the end because that just something happened with the contracts and blah, 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 whatever. But I remember just walking there, just going, I'm not, I remember my agent just saying, just go in there and do it. I was like, yeah, I am, but I just, no way I'm getting, no way I'm getting this. No way. They're like, oh, but you don't know that. I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll do it, whatever. Done it. And you know when you walked in there and you think, walked in there, I told you I wouldn't get it. I got a phone call, they're like, you never guess what. I thought, they've called you back, they like you. Go back again, get the part. And then I remember, I went again, another fucking stupid thing, but contracts were a bit, something was wrong and we just didn't do it in the end. But it was just like, but that prime example but there's a lot of things that, you know, when your agent rings, you said, oh, I've got a great audition for you. They want to see you for this. And you've heard of that series one before, for example, and you're up for series two for main characters in every fucking episode. You think, fuck, that's life changing. The money's ridiculous. You're going to go all around the world on fucking Netflix. Probably be top 10 in the UK and Netflix, wherever. You go in the interview, you go in the audition, you absolutely fucking smash it. Well, you think you do. But that's another thing as well. You don't know. Like you gotta be, you gotta be confident. You gotta have that. You gotta be confident to know that. Oh yeah, I've, I fucking nailed that. You gotta nail everything. If you really want to be an actor or anything you do in life, um, you have to fucking smash it. Don't don't half heart shit. Just fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? And I remember going into some auditions and I'm just like, right. And I might see because when you're younger as well. And I'm going on a tangent here, but you might see ten people in an audition room, who and you're like, fuck, they're all going for my same role. When you start getting bigger parts and you become known actor, it's very boutique. Like they go, right, we want that guy from the agency. We want to see Josh. We want to see him. And that's it. So I might see three or four people. Instead of back in the day, it was like 20, 30 people, like three for all going for one role. And you're like, right, I've got to get, I'm against all these people. Right, I'm, fuck them. I'm going to, even though I might know them as mates, like, oh, what's going on, brother? I can't really want for the same role. Like, you can't, I'm going to fucking get this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to fucking get this. And then you don't get it. And that's it. But you don't give up. Don't let it get to you. And it has got to me many times before because, you know, like I said, like, you, you know, which we get into, like the mental health side of it and depression, which I've always suffered with, it does get to you sometimes. You just think, am I worth it? Am I going to do anything in life? But I know I'm in the, the stage I'm in right now, I'm very happy. I know I've got a lot to go. I'm just never giving up and I'm never going to fucking give up. Good man. So like going back to when you were younger, pursuing the career of being an actor, um, this is me just talking from an outsider's point of view and a bit of a naive point of view. But yeah. again, looking at the Brad Pitts, the Johnny Depps, the 
I know the Tom Hardys, etc. Yeah. You look at them and you think, man, they must have a great life. They must be worth an absolute fortune. Yeah. They must be able to get any bird they want because yeah. they're on <clears> film <throat> all the time. Mm. They must be able to get any table around the world at the top Michelin star restaurant because of who they are. Yeah. They just they they open the doors to them. Um, was that a bit of a pull for you as a young young person, or was was going into acting more about the creative sort of outlet yeah. that it would bring your life? <clears throat> I didn't really give a shit about being famous. I couldn't give a fuck. It doesn't bother me one iota. Like I know it comes with the territory. Like you know, a lot of like the, like the Rise of the Foot Soldier films that I've done, I've got noticed a lot from them. I even like last night, I was at a bar with my friends and. Um, the minute I walked in there, like three or four people got to me, oh, Kenny Boy from Foot Soldier, blah, blah, can you have a photo? And I'm, yeah, sweet, of course you can. Like, oh, I think you're brilliant. They will fucking smash, but yeah, you know, that's the usual way, you know, you know what I mean? Um, you know, like the geezer, fucking yeah, yeah, I saw you in Foot Soldier, you're amazing. Um, I'm like, yeah, and I'm just very humbled by it. I think you're a brilliant actor, we love your character, Kenny, we think he's brilliant. But I didn't go into acting because I want to be famous. I went into acting because I want to provide for my, fa my, you know, my family. I want to make good money. And I, I love, I genuinely love fucking acting. I love being on a film set. I love acting. I love doing what we're doing now. Well, so what, what part of it when you're acting, let's say you're, you're playing a role, yeah. what, what kind of, what triggers you and thinks, right, I'm alive here. This is what I really love doing and this is my purpose. Yeah. Like what part, stage in acting sort of triggers you? I like playing, well, when I do acting, I'm, not, I'm playing a character which isn't me in real life. So it's the fucking best. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, right, okay. So for, uh, you know, just prime example, like something in the pipeline I might be doing is I'm playing a guy who is like a psychopath, serial killer, and that's not me in real life. I'm a loving, caring father. You know what I mean? I've got a beautiful family, beautiful daughter, blah blah, whatever. Um, but to play someone who you're never ever going to be in real life, that is fucking massive for me because that just takes me out of who I am in, in my bubble, in my in my life, to outside my bubble, to someone completely fucking different. And, and I know I can play a serious character. So what spurs me on to do this is just the love of it. I love being on set. I love being in front of camera. I love seeing people's reaction. That's what I love. When I see someone's reaction, when I flip out and go fucking mad or try and stab someone in the film, and they say cut, and they're like, fucking hell, Josh, you are one scary cunt on scene. Then I get off the get off camera. I'm like, oh, was it was it all right? Was it good enough? Then I, fucking hell, yeah, you're well different to that, and that's what acting is. Yeah. So um, a lot of the films that you've been in is yeah. like you're you're like not one persona, but I know yeah. you on. Uh, if someone said, okay, describe Josh as an actor on camera, what sort of role he plays? He's normally a tough kind of person. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Someone who's very very confident. Mm. outspoken can yeah. be quite aggressive at times yeah. tough man etc is this real life or okay. <laughs> um, it's a bit like Vinnie Jones right yeah. someone said to me Vinnie Jones yeah tough man you know yeah. you'll just straight away say say, say the yeah. same sort of thing I like Vinnie he was in Foot Soldier Origins big yeah. up Vinnie my boy he, he seems like a really good guy actually, yeah he's Vinnie. cool man I would Vinnie. love to interview him one yeah day. Vinnie's cool man I like Vinnie um, there's, that's also in my mind a bit of a blessing and a curse because it's right. almost like you get known for that, which yep. is great because yep. you become this sort of profile and you fit so many cool films. But the downside must be if you get pigeonholed just into that type of character, yeah. if another Hollywood film come up, 
it's almost like I've oh, just my nah, he can play that because he's, he's just too much of a tough man. Yeah. Does that come up? Is that a thing that you? Yeah. Think about? No. Very, very good question. That has come up a few times where um, I've my agent's been given a script or I've spoke to for example producer friends of mine or my dad's and i'm like oh i'd be i'd love to play that part and they're like yeah but i just don't see you doing it josh he's a nice sweet like all right looking geezer yeah he's from the street but he's got that i said yeah but i can play that i said you're only thinking because of what you've seen of me on screen on or you know on film whatever but i'm the hard nut yeah because i've got tattoos i've got a broken nose from boxing back in the day but and i can play the hard nut but i said look prime example when people see this horror film i've just done in like, like end of last year, I'm not. I'm 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 running away from the, the the crime and the killings and fucking blood and gore. I'm so, I'm a funny geezer in this one. Like I've seen some of the rushes back already. I'm like, wow, that's fucking mad. Like I'm not like like shit's kicking off. I'm like fucking hell, that's mad. Like, yeah. Let's go that way. But yeah, but that's like me in real life. I'm not I'm not fucking pretend to be an old cunt or anything like that. It's just me on character. When someone says action. So, so how did how did it all start then with, mm. with you becoming the, this character on 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 set? Because again, going going back to like someone like Tamar Hussain, for example, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vinnie Jones, yep. yourself. There's there's a few people. It's almost a little bit difficult for me to mm. get out my head how you would be in another in another role. But I know good actors, which you are, yeah. are they can diversify, they can be quite yeah, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, dynamic. Yeah. Um, but how did it all start with you becoming this kind of tough man in, in films? Um, I think when I did, when I first started doing, I think Green Street was the first kind of lead up. I played Big John in um, Green Street Hooligans, which is directed by James Nunn, who's just got a film out on Sky now called One Shot. Just come out on Sky. Give that a watch. Big up James Nunn. Um, and Scott Atkins, who's the main part in that. Um, but yeah, when I, James Nunn cast me for Green Street Hooligans and that was playing a West Ham thug, you know, like a football hooligan. And prior to that, I don't think I'd done much hooliganism okay. before. I was always, I knew I could play a hard guy, a tough kind of guy, but this was just like in the audition, like, right, give me like, I'm like a Spurs or Chelsea or Arsenal or whatever and you're West Ham, right, fucking give it to me how you want to fight me and I'm just there like action I'm like come on you fucking and I loved it I was like wow and they're like cut wow fucking hell that was scary and they're like yep yeah, you got the part then and there they told me I got the part I played big job how do you like brace yourself to go into character because like you know I don't know if this is true but like some people might run up and down do loads of press ups someone yeah. might are you talking about actually on, on set on, on like, yeah, someone's gonna, they're going to say to like Josh in a minute you're going to square up to the whole West Ham crew right yeah. and you're from Chelsea or, or Tottenham yeah, yeah. and you're going to absolutely have it that would be a good right? scene wouldn't it me yeah. on my own come on you <laughs> fucking man they say right you've got to have it with these people and yeah. then you get into character some people I would imagine this is me being, being naive again yeah do push-ups. Like, when I used to do big calls to, like, some, some big clients when I was back, yeah. back in the day as a salesperson, yeah. I need to get myself, like, up, upbeat and energised. And yeah. I, I might sprint up and down the office. And yeah. Kind of go, hey, I'm... Uh, and then yeah. come out with a sales pitch. Right. Don't really need to do that anymore because I'm 36 years of age and I've been doing it for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Not kids but, anymore. But, um, you know, maybe some people might have a drink. Some people might punch yourself in the face. I mean, how do you get into, like, that role and, like... Or can you just switch it on? Uh, do you know what? <laughs> it's about sounding big-headed but it's going to sound big-headed. I can just switch it on. It's mental. I don't know how I do it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't punch myself. I don't do... Well, if I've got like a scene with my top off, for example, and I've got a fucking, you know... Yeah, I would do press-ups because you look got to look good on screen. 
You're, you worry about looking good. But if a director comes up to me and goes, right, there's 30 supporting artists, extras, whatever you call, you know, there's called supporting artists, whatever, like 30 extras, for example, and it's just you, and you've come out of the pub, and they all want you, and you just, you're just known in the film, you don't give a fuck, and you want to, you're just coming in, oh, fuck, oh, let's fight. You're going to kill me, let's kill me. I'm on my own. There's 30 of you. Just switch off. It's the man. I don't know how I do it. I can be like, hey, mate, yeah, oh, nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck you and that. Like, it's just... <laughs> Just goes, mate. <laughs> Mental. And then I'm back to normal. Do you ever get like, uh, this is me being so childish now, but like, missus or your friends or your family members say, just show us a bit of acting, like, switch, switch oh, it off. Oh, God. All the fucking... Like if you're in the pub or in the restaurant. All the fucking time. All the time. I make, oh, go on, do a scene for me. Go on, make me <laughs> laugh. Oh, I'm not a fucking clown, you cunt. I'm not a fucking comedian. But uh, yeah, no, I get it all the time. Or like, there was an iconic scene that me and Craig Fairbrass did um, on Rise of Foot Soldier 3, the Pat Tate story, where he goes, one prostitute, two prostitute. I don't know if you've seen that bit, but he was on the balcony where he's got loads of cocaine. I come out and go, what are you doing? And he says, what's it look like I'm fucking doing? I say, all right, I just want to know what we're doing tonight. He goes, we're doing tonight. You know what I'm fucking doing tonight. You see that? And he gets money out. He goes, one prostitute, two. He goes up to five prostitutes. And I said, I can't do five prostitutes. He said, I'm not interested in you. You can't be talking about me. What I want to do. <laughs> he throws coke in my face. Anyway, it went viral, whatever. So some people who might see this would know what I'm talking about. But uh, it's, um, yeah, that was all improvised. All improvised. All improvised on the day. Do you know you said like people um, notice you and they're like yeah. fans or they're uh, fans of the film and they're noticing they come over to you and they you know they want an autograph or a photo or maybe yeah. you, you, you to rehearse one of the scenes that you've yeah. been in. I, mean, I don't usually do it. I mean, unless I'm like drunk or something, then I'm like, yeah, one for the yeah. <laughs> Obviously um, not real, by the way. But the other side of it, and yeah. this is where this is where people like mistake you as a person, Josh Myers, to a character, and they 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 think their, I'm the same mind, person. In in their mind, you are that person, and yeah. they've they got resentment to that person, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Did they ever come and go? Oh, you're a wanker, you know? Because I tell you, why I asked this question. Yeah. Jack Fincham, friend of ours, he yeah. had, he had the same thing, you know. Obviously, being on reality TV, you know, it's kind of him, but not him because no, you know, he's some, he's like listen, know, he's a lovely and boy. He, he's had people come over to him howled abuse at him and he's like but that's not me who you see on TV I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm me so do you ever get that where they come over to you and they well I think reality I think reality TV and film stuff is I think a little bit different because reality TV is you know we all know it's all kind of set up you know what I mean they're slightly so, staged yeah it's slightly, it's slightly staged you know um, you know, they'd, they'd say, oh, you know, before we put the cameras on, you say that, he says that, we're going to have an argument, let's let's film it. With acting, there's a script, you stick to it. There's no stage stuff like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not turning the camera on and going and something going off script. I'm doing what I'm doing in the script. Um, but do I get people coming up to me and saying, you're a cock? No, because I get punched in the face. No, I'm joking. That's a joke. <laughs> uh, um, no, not at all, really. I, I, I've been really lucky, Touchwood. I've, anyone who's ever come up to me, asked for photo, pictures, whatever, blah, blah, or signature, I'm just, they've all been really lovely. Like, oh, we love your character. You're such a... Because I think a lot of people who come up to me either follow me on socials and see that I'm massively about mental health and depression. I try and get men to open up about it. I'm always on pictures of my daughter. Um, just... Uh, um, uh, inspirational quotes and stuff like that. They can see I'm not a prick. You know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't portray to be this hard nut because that's me acting. I'm an actor. That's not me in real life. 
I could be on set one day stabbing and hitting someone over with a hammer. Next day, I'm walking down the street with my daughter and loving life. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's called being an actor. It's acting. Yeah. So I'm, but no, I'm very lucky I haven't had that, no. What would you say the best thing about being an actor is? Um, honestly, it's fucking fun. It is really fun. Um, and you meet a lot of great other actors, actresses. You meet, I, I love meeting people. I love networking. I love making new friends. You can never have enough friends, you know what I mean? But um, I, just, I just love it, man. It, honestly, like, it really, really helps me like, in life. Like, and I can express myself in the characters that I play and stuff that I wouldn't really do in my real life. Like, I'm not going to go, oh, fucking that is looking at me. I'm going to go get a hammer from my house and fucking put it over his head. You know, like, it, we can all defend ourselves in a certain way. But, you know, in real life, my character, if someone says what you're looking at, my character probably stab him or shoot him or fucking go, go have a fight with him. In real life, if someone says what you're looking at, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, calm down, mate. I haven't done anything. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Regardless if I, can have a, I could have a tear of him or not, I don't like having a fight. That's not me. That's my character. Yeah. So don't try and have a fight with me because you see my character on all these different films, be this hard nut. That's acting. And on the flip side, what would you say is probably the worst thing about being an actor? Um, on the top of my head, probably the waiting around. Because you could... The waiting around, as in like you could go to set for let's say getting the makeup trailer for 7am on set for half eight nine and then they're like oh sorry we've now put the change the whole day around which happens on film sets um and your scenes aren't now till end of the day okay so i've got to wait eight hours before i even go on set yes okay i'll just walk around here for eight hours then like, but it happens. But even starting up, it happens. It's part of the game. Mm. Like, I'm very lucky now. I get my own trailer I've got ho- or a hotel. So I'm like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll go get a bit of food. I'll go to my hotel. I'll sit in my trailer. I, I can always make it. You know what I mean? But but back in the day, when you're starting out, you ain't got your own trailer. You ain't, you're just there. You've got your car. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do for eight, nine, ten hours? Like, And then just to come on, do one scene, and then go home. And then you've got the next day. That's probably the worst bit of the waiting game. So, um, dovetailing, segueing into a slightly different conversation, yeah. something that you raised earlier, and yeah. I only want to talk about it, not to like bring up the past, but more about lessons, because as I said to you, my motivation behind my podcast is to interview driven, yeah. go-getters, actors, athletes, people that are somebody, because yeah. when I was younger, when we were younger, there was no podcast, there was no, no. YouTube interviews, yeah. and I want to inspire a young man, young female, to yeah. give them a bit of direction in their life. But we sure. all know one thing that young people are um, sometimes veering off into different demographics, demogra- so different groups, different groups of people that yeah. are not so good for them. They're yeah. doing either substances or they're looking at the Joneses on Instagram and getting depressed because yeah. they think they should have a certain kind of life. So when I when I speak to people that have had mental health challenges or anxiety anxiety challenges i yeah. like to talk about it not to bring up the past but how do you overcome it you know how how do you recognize it and what is the strategy to get above and beyond it so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little sort yeah. of insight to that josh well, how i how i um stopped me feeling depressed and well, well basically life, how did basically. you how, how did it all start how did you know you felt depressed how did you know you had uh, anxiety issues at that time good question um 
I've probably had mental health issues like depression for as long as I can remember. I was, you know, since I was, I mean, I mean, I'm going back to school days when I'm like, I remember seeing psychiatrists. Um, I was scared of dying. I didn't want to go to sleep because I thought if I go to sleep, I won't wake up. I won't see my mum and dad. I won't see my brother and sister. I won't see my loved ones. So it all stemmed from that. And I, you know, I wouldn't say I've been depressed all my life, but I do suffer with it. You know, as in like, and I get, again, you know, people say to me, How, what have you got to be depressed about? I'm not, I don't fucking know. I generally don't know. I don't know what it, like if you said to me right now, what makes you depressed, Josh? I don't fucking know. I just wake up some days and I don't want to get out of my bed. I don't want to answer my phone. I don't want to talk to fucking anyone. And that's me being depressed. And that could last three or four days a week. And then like, then like my mum or dad would come and go, right, get your fucking ass out of bed. Fucking sort your life out. And I kick, I go, right, okay, cool. I've been depressed, you know, um, and I'm not afraid to admit it. You know, I think any man who's watching this will see that I'm open about my mental health, my depression. I take pills for my depression uh, every day, which helped me massively. Um, I think... Is that like an antidepressant? Antidepressant, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's called Isotelopram, which I take. Um, I take one pill a day. So, like, again, I want people to see this and to think, oh, God, he, if he can talk about it, I can. Do you know what I mean? I want to help people, mainly men, not saying there's anything wrong with women, but women women talk about it more with their girls. Do you know what I mean? Men don't be like, oh, we're hard geezers, we bottle it up. I don't need to tell you I'm depressed, but then next fucking minute you're fucking jumping off a building. Because oh, I should have talked to you. Why don't you open up and talk to me? Yeah. That's what it's about, opening up and talking to people like we are doing now. When we were younger, it like my mum and dad, it's like the old school mentality, which actually served me quite well. Like yeah. if I was going through tough times in my, my mind, my mum's kind of like, pick yourself up, brush yourself off and, and carry on. And that was the right advice for me because it, it helped me. Yeah. But with other people, that's not right advice. And it's all about tailoring advice to, the, to that, that right individual. Yeah. Back in the day, there was no talk about mental health. There was no talk about anxiety or depression because it wasn't really a thing that wasn't people right about. Then, no. But now, it's certainly been highlighted a lot more due to celebrities, people in the public eye and... For, it's not a taboo no more. It's, it's no. something that people are talking about. 100%. Um, what, what, I mean, is it been like really dark days, Josh, I can talk about? Like yeah, of course, you, when, yeah. I mean, there's been very dark days for me. You know, I've, I've been so depressed that I don't know if I'd ever would have acted on it, but I've thought about taking my life a few times. I mean, I'm not talking about recently. I'm talking about maybe five, six, maybe even 10 years ago that I just, you know, but, but even having these thoughts are terrible. Why am I thinking, what would the world be like? What would my mum and dad think? What, my, what would my friends think if I fucking kill myself? But I just, I never did it. I was too scared. But it's just having those thoughts in, you know, when I'm going to bed. Oh, what if I just take 30, 40 fucking pills or something and just drink loads of alcohol and not wake up? Where will I go? What will happen? But yeah, those thoughts were there on dark days, you know. But now I just, I still get dark days now but not as bad as I used to. Maybe that's the antidepressants helping me. And how, how like, I know you said you don't, don't want to get up out of bed and you yeah. don't want to talk to anyone, but what's the actual feeling like, like inside? You just feel so low. You just feel like absolute shit. Like you just feel lethargic. You feel tired. They say, well, I mean, look, everyone's, everyone's got their own depression or whatever they suffer with, but I'm just telling you from my experience, that's what I feel like. I feel like can't get out of bed, I feel tired when I'm not. Um, I just, 
I don't know, I'm just hating the world, don't feel I'm good enough, I should be somewhere better by now, I should be an A-list actor, but I'm not, I'm fucking shit, you should just die. These are all the thoughts I have in my head. But I overcome it by getting up every day and kicking my own fucking ass. If you want to help you, the only person that's going to help you, I've learned, is yourself. You can have psychiatrists, you can have your family. You can, yeah, they're all good and you need them, but the only person that's going to help you is you. So I get up out of bed every morning, I go for a run, I do my training, do a bit of boxing, tire boxing, whatever. I keep fit. I make sure I'm there for my, my, my daughter, my family. I'm just, you know, I want to be the best dad. And yeah, I know I'm not in the stage where I'm an A-list actor yet. I know that. But I'm not going to let it get me down. I've got a good life. So yeah, people may think, how can you have depression? What do, you, what do you mean? I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to it. If someone goes, but you're doing well in life. You, you know, you do these films, you make good money, you've got a nice life, you've got a nice family. How can you be depressed? I've got nothing. I've got no job. I've got no family. Oh, all right. I, 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 don't, I don't know. If I couldn't be depressed, I'd, I'd just, there you go, fuck off. I, I don't know. But I am. What can you do? When did you um, make it a bit more sort of public or known? Maybe not to like fans or followers, yeah. but like your friends and your family, because that must be a hard thing to suddenly say, you yeah. know what, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm not actually well here or I'm, I'm, yeah. I can't cope with day-to-day living at the moment. I think, like I said, it goes back to when I was younger. You know, like my mum and dad knew there was something wrong. Mum took me to a psychiatrist. Um, I, was, I was just a fucking prick when I was younger. You know, like horrible to my parents, always arguing, acting out in, in, sorry, in, uh, acting out in school, um, just being an absolute cunt, really pardon my French, but just being horrible, they, they, they thought I had like attention deficit disorder. They, they, all these things. And they were just like, you know, he's, he's a suffers from anxiety, depressed. I get very excited about things too quickly, you know, like, but yeah, no, it was just always something like. Any bipolar a little bit? Not, probably am. Not, I, <laughs> not, I don't fucking know if I am or not, but then again, I could be, cause I, I mean, I could, I, I don't know. Cause what I'm fucking, this is how mad the, the brain is. Yeah. So like, Two or three days ago, I, I felt like shit. Like I literally was like, right, I'm putting my phone on silent. I'm just watching a film. I couldn't even concentrate. I was like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel like shit today? I had the best day yesterday. I saw my daughter. It was amazing. And then I woke up this morning. I'm like, I don't want to get up today. I just stay in bed. Go on, Josh, get up. Go for a run. Nope, not doing it. Go on, go on, go on. You've got one going, yeah, go on, do it. One going, no, no, you're depressed. Stay in bed, stay in bed. You're a shit cunt. And like, the world hates you, blah, blah, blah. And then the other side going, no, 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 get up, do it. And then, thank God, that side took over, went up, got for a run, had a shower. I'm up every day, five, six in the morning going for a run. I'm in bed early and, I'm, you know, I just feel great. So um, I was going to say this to you. Um, what has resonated with myself and, and, and you is definitely into training, running, boxing. I know you used to yeah, do, yeah, yeah. do, do Muay Thai and stuff. Yeah. How important is training, you know? Um, for your mental health. And nutrition and massively, you know, know, uh, even like having like I know the uh, sports massages or relaxing, you know, to for for your mental health, yeah, um, well being basically. Yeah, I I think for me personally, working out, running, tar boxing, anything like that is so good for not not just my mental health, but for anyone's mental health. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. If you're suffering with mental health, you've got a bit of depression. Training is the best thing for you. It gets you out there. It releases serotonin. Is that what it's called? Serotonin? Yeah, endorphins. Endor- serotonin. Endorphins, you know, makes you feel, just it makes me feel amazing. And if there's people, anyone watching this, mainly men who feel like they, they're nothing, feel depressed, you know, don't be afraid 
to don't be afraid to uh, talk to someone talk to your loved ones talk to anyone you're not alone you're not alone please talk to someone because it helps massively it helps me look josh i've never i what you just said there a second that um, yeah. i i too have felt the anxiety the fear the slight depression down days your up days etc yeah. i think every single human being like you said earlier if you went into anyone in soho right now have you ever fucked up in your life? Everyone's going to answer and say yes. 100%. The same question to them is, do you ever feel low? Do you ever feel slightly depressed or angry? Of course, it's part of being human. Yeah. Without feeling these feelings, then there would be no good day. So you need to go through it. Yeah. Training for me has always got me through my my, my toughest days. Your dark and it, days, yeah. And, and it makes me feel uplifted. It makes me feel like I'm achieving something. Sure. Especially when I get up at five o'clock in the morning, I'm at the boxing gym at six, <laughs> yeah. and I'm beating the sun up, you know? Yeah. And, it, and you just feel... You feel like if you beat that sun you up... You beat the day. Yeah. You, you, That's what I feel. You set a president for the day. 100%, mate. But but something I haven't done, which I'm quite intrigued by, and again, mm. I'm not asking, the, asking you this to antagonise you, but the, the, the antidepressant. Yeah, sure. The long-term strategy, though, is surely you can't be on that for the rest of your life. Uh, well... I, see, I got asked this the other day, and I actually, funny enough, it's actually a good, good time you asked that because I actually went for uh, a checkup with my doctor just to because I'm on um, what's it called? I'm exempt from my um, my depression pills, so I don't I just get get them every month unless I decide to come off them. But I was having this conversation with my doctor. He's a private doctor of mine, and I've known him for a long time, and he's he's one who put me on them. But I, I mean, I was. At a, fucking low point you know i started low but i'm on a bit of a high dose now and um, that's why i'm always happy um but um yeah would i ever come off them i don't think i would if i'm honest okay i don't need to why it's one pill a day it hasn't affected me physically that my doctor said look to be fair i'll be honest with you it could be a placebo effect now it could be doing nothing but the fact that the way that my mind works if i come off them and I, I know mentally I will start going downhill, so I won't come off them. Do you know, I don't need to. I'm happy. I'm loving life right now. Do you know... Um, I took a double dose, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Do you, do you know... Um, happy. The This is probably not the right comparison, but this, my form of... Right, so I have, I have um, times in the year when I come off coffee, yeah? The right. only coffee I drink is a double espresso. No yeah. milk, no sugar. Love that. I just have that, yeah? But I keep on reading all the time from different nutritionists and different people in well-being. Some people saying coffee's good, some people saying bad. And I've come to the conclusion that it's kind of almost an artificial high I put myself in because right. of the coffee and the caffeine. And yeah. I've come off it, I've come off a uh, coffee for about six, seven months and then I find myself like drugs almost yeah. going back onto it and I'm fighting myself every day going, shouldn't have a coffee, shouldn't have a coffee. It's in my environment. I'm with people that drink here. When I get on a train, I just feel like I need, need one. Yeah, but sure. I say to myself all the time, but it's not it's not a natural high. I should be able to feel higher without it. Yeah, but sure. But if I keep on having it, I'm never going to come off of it. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. So it's kind of like the same sort of thought process when you say to me, you're on an antidepressant. Yeah. I understand it, it, it's helped, but the long-term strategy, when you're 55, 60, 70 years, years of age, do you still want to be on it or you just think, no of course well, it not it listen is. if I could come off them now I would but I just don't see the point if everything's going alright upstairs why would I rock the boat and come off them now yeah yeah obviously I'd love to come off them but I just you know, everything in, in my life is going well I can't fault anything at the moment I, I've, I don't like any negative energy in my life that is a big no no for me anything negative I fuck off 
I only like positive people around me, positive energy. It's great. And that's it. On that note then, well, how yeah. important is it to achieve your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, becoming the best version of you? Yeah. How important is it to have a great winning team around you? Oh, you've got to have a winning team around you. 100%. I, I just, I can't have any negative people around me. Never. I, I used to have that when I was younger, growing up. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, people, there's always that one person who may be your friend, but they're chatting shit behind your back. They're jealous. Frenemy. Frenemy. Yeah, exactly. But I, um, yeah, you've got to have a good team around. You've got to have people who, like, people who want to spur you on, support you and see you succeed. I love seeing my mates succeed. I love seeing my mates do well, make good money. I'm like, fucking fair play to you, mate. Well done. Fucking good for you, mate. Keep smashing it. I'll be there for you. I'll help you do it. Pardon me, I'll do anything you want. Someone says to me, oh, you're never going to make it as an actor. How do you know I'm not? I'll yeah. remember that when I will, when I do. So you're 35 years of age now. 35. So in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 yeah. years, in acting for now, yeah. where do you see yourself going? What do you want to achieve? What do I you would do? like to win a BAFTA. And then maybe... What do you have to do to win a BAFTA? Got me fucking good. <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I reckon a good calibre of films. I want to get more known in the UK, not just on the British, you know, gangster films that I'm in, or I just want, I want to be a big, a known British actor that you can go to anyone on the street and go, do you know Josh Myers? They go, yeah, he's a good, good British actor. That's the aim I want to get to. Then I want to break America and then, then the fucking world. So um, obviously you're known for your acting, but... Yeah. There's a life outside of acting, Josh. I yes. Mean, I, I, I'm in business. I do a bit of boxing. I obviously do podcasting. There's a time I spend with my family. Sure. And there's other bits and pieces I get, get up to in my spare time. What does someone like you do when, you, when you're not focusing on a big film and, 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 and auditioning for something? Um, I'm just, I, I say chill out, but I, I work out quite a bit. Not really weights anymore, but I do a lot of running, jogging, do my tire boxing, keep that. Healthy, healthy mind, healthy what, life. Why, and, and on that note, why, why tie boxing and jujitsu? Because um, mm. I, always, I always, I love it. I just love it. I've always, I, I've always, I've tie boxed since I was like twelve. Not professionally, but I just love doing it. I'm pretty good at it now. Um, jujitsu, I'm okay. I'm not like the best, but I just love the, the art form of it, the mixed martial arts. Boxing, I like as well, but I just prefer tie boxing. You get to use your your your, your hands, your elbows, your knees, your shins, your foot, whatever. With boxing, it's just hands. Mm. So from even though I know it's come on, I'm not trying to mug any boxer off here. That is fucking. Hard. I've tried boxing. It's hard. The footwork I could never get. It's fucking hard. Mm. I just I just personally found tie boxing easier. That's why I stuck with tie boxing. Maybe it's an easy way out. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I've done a bit of tie boxing for a club called. Um Kettles in uh, Alpington's um, okay. uh, St. Mary's Cray. I don't know if you know that area. No. So I had a big motorbike accident in 2005. Oh, split wow. my kidney open, was in the hospital. Fuck and I, me. I, I was a boxer. I was I was an amateur boxer for a problem in Downham. Yeah. And when, when I got myself better, I started boxing down a club called Kettles. But I noticed that 95% of the people down there weren't actually doing boxing. They were doing tyre boxing. So right. I've done that for three years. Never competed. Done the yeah. sparring. And I really enjoyed it. And, and now, if anyone were to ask me, if you were to have a street fight, what's yeah. going to serve you best is the tie boxing. Of course. Because of the knees, because of the elbows, because yeah, of the yeah. final Superman punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teeps. Yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's all good stuff. Of course. Did you ever compete or you ever think about competing maybe in the future? No, I'll, t I'll tell you why. Um, I, there was times where like, my coach would say, oh, you know, you're good enough to have a fight now. But it was, I was more focused on my acting. I didn't want to go to auditions with black eyes. And once I did hard sparring, I had a black eye, bust my nose up, 
typical week later, I got an audition. You know, like after weeks or so, it proper comes out. Yeah. And I had an audition for something. They're like, you're not going to get that with a black eye. What's the matter with you? So it was kind of like, it's like, right, well, I don't want to choose. I don't yeah. want to choose. And I chose acting. Yeah. That's my dream. And it still is. You're a big fella though, man. You're like, what, uh, six foot two? I'm six foot two, and, yeah. And, and your weight? About 14 stone. Cool, you'll be fighting some serious... Big, serious big, big, big people, people. <laughs> exactly. That's another reason why I fucking do it. I like my fucking face. That's where the fucking money is. So, I'm so outside of the tie boxing and, and keeping fit, what, yeah. what else you get up to? Um, what else I do? I'm a big film person. love watching films. Uh, try you, is it hard for you though being an actor thinking oh, yeah. I've noticed what they're doing yeah. or I'm criticising this or yeah. I love that you're like breaking it down no some some films I watch I just watch but the thing is I watch films now a lot differently to a lot of my friends or anyone probably like yourself as well because like you got a I don't know what you know you watch a film where you know there's a guy doing a monologue and it's just like me talking to the camera but you don't realise there's 30, 40 people behind the camera just literally like that staring at you watching you do that it's yeah. fucking hard work so that's another thing that's quite scary as well and daunting you know like you go on set on a big film set you know and there's like 100 people walking around doing everything and then action everybody's quiet stop what they're doing to watch you and they yeah. can see you on the monitor yeah and you're like fucking hell it's fucking it's scary a, it's such a crazy thing because as i'm getting to, to to know you and chat to you yeah. you're you're um You've got so much confidence, and then when you talk about like Stop the depression, it. yeah, it's almost like a mad paradox. It's like uh, it doesn't work, does people. it? I know. It's like it's like it, it, it's. I'm it fucked. I know it. I'm fucked. Yeah. sense, but yeah, I've seen a lot of people in business a bit like that, or yeah. even boxers, or or people in, in in different forms of art. You know, yeah, actually, their depression, their anxiety, is actually helped them in their craft because they can funnel that energy into something a bit more positive. Yeah. Have you always been this this confident? 100%. I'm always been... Well, no, look, don't get me wrong. When I have my dark days of depression and feel like shit, no, I'm not confident at all. But I am... I'm genuinely, genuinely a confident person. I'm very positive. I push myself to be the best person I can be. I push my friends. I push my family. If I see anyone that I love struggle or feel down, I'm always fucking there to making sure, come on, mate, get your fucking ass up, man, woman, whoever it is, to uh, to be the best that they can be. I mean, I speak to my friends all the time. You know, I could say, say to someone, oh, yeah, yeah, mate, I always check up on my my loved ones, whether it's just a message or a call. Like, I, oh, I ain't spoke to him in a couple of weeks. Hey, doing, mate, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. What's happening? I'm like, what's the matter? You sound a bit down. No, I'm, no, I'm all right. No, 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 what's wrong? Talk to me. I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm right. And then you're like, oh, actually, you know what? Right, come meet you, I'll go for dinner, have a chat. Yeah. Helping people. Yeah. I love helping people. I love being that positive person in people's life. Making someone go, you know what, Josh, thank you for coming out of me tonight. It means a lot. I feel so much better. Yeah. I love being that positive person. You've got to be positive in life. What's the point of being a negative cunt? Fuck all that shit, man. Positivity, not optimism, just opens doors as well. Massively, man. And people want to see that on the film set as well. If you're there being a positive person, you know, you're up and up and set at six in the morning. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, morning, you are. You are. You know, don't be fucking an idiot. Like, oh, hello, 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 I annoy everyone. But you want to be that, come on, guys, we've got a job to do here. Let's fucking do it. Let's smash the day. Yeah. Wake up. Come on, let's fucking get some coffee in, yeah? Let's smash the fucking day. Now you said earlier, Chelsea supporter. Yes, come which, on the Blues. Which I'm a Chelsea supporter. My Go brother, on, Charlie, uh, yeah. obviously works down there part-time, trying to get him a full-time role down there. Come on, Chelsea, sort out. Um... <laughs> So, do you go there a lot, Chelsea? I've, I've actually, I haven't been there for a long time. I've got a season to get, West Lower. My dad, my dad Martin, is a mental Chelsea fan. Like, okay. goes home and away with Chelsea. 
Um, is, it, is it helped you like in the films because you like know how the Chelsea or football supporters are? Uh, yeah, 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 and no, and obviously again through upbringing, through people I used to hang around with, watching, seeing fights, seeing things you shouldn't really see, and you, you portray that in front of camera. So yeah, kind of. Yeah. So it, it's Chelsea is is, is 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 the team that you support. You've got a yep. lot of mates who go down there. Um, have I got a lot of mates down there? Pardon me. Um. I don't, not really, no. I mean, all my, all my, pardon me, all my mates support like Spurs, Arsenal. I mean, a few support Chelsea, but I mean, my dad goes, my brother goes. Um, I used to go all the time, but I just don't get the time anymore. anymore. I want to go again because my dad just loves it and it's nice to go with my dad, you know, get a bit of dinner, go down to Chelsea. It's a lovely day out. A lovely day out. But um, yeah, I just find it very hard, like, during the week, it's like I'm either at meetings in London or I'm acting or I'm always, I don't know, there's always just something the last year, especially COVID as well. Yeah. Um, but the last, like prior to COVID, I, I was doing quite a bit of filming. Then the COVID happened, no football, now there's football again. My dad just gives the, sells a ticket, my ticket, my season ticket to either my brother's friend or his friend. So he never goes without someone taking it. So. Yeah. I asked you a question earlier about goals, yeah? And yeah. you said straight away BAFTA and, yeah. and there's a few other things which are going to sort of dovetail off the back end of yeah. you know, winning the BAFTA, etc. Yeah. And obviously doing different films. When people ask me about my goals, I'm actually quite open about the fact that yeah, I do want to make a lot of money from business because sure. for me, life is a bit like a theme park, right? Yeah. And different theme parks will cost you a different amount of money or tokens to get on them rides. Yeah. And I want to have enough money where I've got an option to go on them rides or not. If I don't want to go on it, that's fine, but at yeah. least I've got an option. Yeah. Money gives you options. It doesn't make you a better person or a worse person. Yeah. It doesn't make you happier or, or sadder. It just gives you options. Yeah. I do want to have a bigger house for my family. I do sure. want to have the nicer things in life for my family. And of course. I want to travel the world with, with my family. Good and for I, you. And I'm not afraid to say that. Some people, though, still have like the mindset that money might be the root of evil and there's like a bad connotation to it. Yeah. What's your relationship with money? Do you think it's something I that love is. It. I love it. You know, have you got <laughs> financial goals? Have you got materialistic um, goals? What, what, why, why is money important to you? I think, do you know what, all jokes aside, realistically, money is important to me because I want to give my family a really good life. I can't say like, you know, like what people say, you know, oh, I want to give them a lot better life than I had growing up. Can't say that because I had a good life. You know, my, I, I'm not saying I come from money, but my dad was comfortable. So, but, so I'll never say that. But I want to do it on my own. I want to give my daughter the best life she's ever had in her life. I want to, you know, go away with my family. I want to... Like, Pretty much, you hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly what I want to do. I've got no... I don't really care about having the biggest house or the best car. I just want to have enough money in the bank that I can be comfortable for the rest of my life. And that is what I'm striving to do right now. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I know this is your first time here. I'd like to ask my, uh, my guest there. So first time being at Woodbury House. Yes. And first time me giving you a bit of a pitch about the <laughs> artist that we represent called Fuck Richard Hamilton. Now. Yeah. What's your thoughts, feelings, and view on Richard Hamilton based upon what I told you so far? He's a fucking legend, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, some of the paintings you showed me, I mean, I never would have guessed how much money they were. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable, the artwork. I think I'll have to invest in something soon, and I? But no, I mean, just I'm blown away, to be fair. I love this place. It's got a nice aura about it. Um, some of the paintings are a bit creepy. But um, I love them. I think they're wicked, mate. There's a crossover between acting, music, and 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 the arts. I of mean, course, you must have been in that environment outside of film, you know, yeah. 
quite a lot. I mean, you must have met some some really cool artists. Like, um, I've, I've met a few cool artists in uh, when I drink in Soho, the Groucho Club. Big up the Groucho Club. Um, yeah, I mean, I've met a few people, but I mean, no one to that as famous. I mean, like this guy. I mean, his art. I've never, I've never actually met, or I've never actually been this close to artwork that's worth, you know, like seven hundred grand, a million quid in the other room. Just it's crazy, man. Because it. I mean, even though it looks amazing. Like, there's a lot of people who would probably go, what, that's worth a million quid? Like a horse, a geezer on a horse, it's not even painted right. Well, the, do you see what I'm saying? The, the that's probably how I thought, but I was just like, well, that's worth a million quid right now. Do, do, you, know, do you know what it is? Is uh, The most common thing that people say um, who are just looking at art as the visual aspect of it without yeah. understanding the culture, the narrative. I'm going to sound really arty-farty here. Like do a, it. Like a wanker. Do it. But, you know, the narrative, the culture, the story, the back, you know, the, the, the heritage, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If they just look at it, people go, oh, my son could have done that. You know, or my, or a kid could have done that. But the moment they get educated on the whole ecosystem. Of course, and the like how you educated me on this. Then, then it starts shaping your taste buds. Mad, that's, yeah. That's how people start yeah. getting hooked on the art market. I ain't gonna lie, you fucking nearly pitched me to buy one. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? How much is that, 100 grand? Oh yeah, I'll take five. No, but that one you told me about there, about the syringe about that painting I mean that's yeah. that's fucking beautiful man it is really it is. really good story man I really appreciate your time mate um, pleasure bro Anytime. you've been an absolute gent it's been an absolute honour to meet you thank and, you and, my and brother interview you. And, pleasure um, dude as your life goes on and you achieve more we'll meet again I would love to do a part two in the future 100% bro definitely um, where can people find you to follow you Josh so on my Instagram it's uh, at Josh Myers 1986 uh, my Twitter is Josh Meyer so Josh M-Y-E-R 5 and that's it really cool <laughs> yeah I've got one more question go for it so when I set up my first company when I was 24 years of age it was yeah. a sales company right most of the sales people there had about 50 people working for me at one time wow and good for you most of them were men and some yeah. of them were females it was like a very alpha male uh, sort of environment right and being in sales, very similar to acting I guess yeah. is to be in your peak state so you can yeah. perform at your peak level because yeah. you're transferring your enthusiasm to the client to get them to buy. Right. So I come up with a mantra, okay, which right. is be happy, never content. And I used to do my presentation and tell the stuff to be happy, never content. Hmm. If I were to ask Josh Myers, yeah. what does be happy, never content mean to you? So being happy probably mean, and being happy and not content. Be happy, never content. Well, content is mean you're being happy, like you're content in your life. I'm not, and I'm definitely not. Yeah. I want to be happy. I am happy, but I could be happier. And I want to strive to be happier. So I get what you're saying is be happy, not content. Be happy, love life, but don't settle on one thing. Love that answer. I want to shout out to my uh, uh, podcast sponsors and brand partners, William Wood Watches. I've got one of their kettles on today. Wicked. Also, I've got uh, the London uh, Fire Brigade Boxing, who also backs my podcast. And f uh, the third and final thing, and if you're around in March, the yep. London Watch Show is another brand partner of ours and also Woodbury House. We're doing a presentation on the 18th, 19th and 20th at the Grosvenor House Hotel. Lovely. It's a watch show, but there's also going to be art, whiskey, uh, passion assets. I'll be there. Private aviation is going to be f phenomenal. I'm doing a presentation on stage over the next few over them days. It'd be great to, to meet people there. Thank if you, you enjoyed the podcast, definitely enjoyed Josh's story. Please follow him. Thank and if you. you're liking my podcast, please subscribe and do all that great stuff. Be yeah. happy, never content, and God bless. That's wicked. Thank you, mate. Welcome, brother.